Hi, this is Sophia Ruan Goucher, author of A to Z of Detoxing, the ultimate guide to reducing our toxic exposures, and host of this Practical Non-Toxic Living podcast. Welcome. Often sick as a child, Nita Ewald explains that she got sick of being sick. Then from around age 29 to 30, with a master's in chemistry, she started wondering, what's in my personal care products? This curiosity led her to become more interested in the toxic chemicals in her everyday products, even before she became interested in eating healthy. As Nita learned about the toxicity in her household products, like her lotions and shampoo, Nita detoxed her choices. This seemed to help her immune system because she became increasingly less sick. She says the only change was detoxing her products and her environment. Enjoying less sickness than ever, Nita was surprised when she and her husband had trouble getting pregnant. Eventually, she was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. Not knowing what else to do, Nita attempted IVF, but that didn't work either. Then she started a yoga practice, which really helped her reduce stress, increase her intuition, and create harmony. Nine months later, right before her next scheduled IVF appointment, Nita listened to her strong intuition that urged her to delay her IVF treatment and try naturally. She spoke to her husband, they tried naturally, and she got pregnant. Whether fertility is relevant to you or not right now, Nita's story is thought-provoking for everyone to hear because you'll hear how Nita's life changed after detoxing, eating healthy, and reducing her stress. As Nita says in this podcast, fertility is just an extension of our health. Originally from Indonesia and earning her master's in chemistry in Japan, Nita specialized in natural product chemistry. Nita worked for a pharmaceutical company that focused on neurological issues like ADHD. However, her fertility journey inspired Nita to dedicate herself as a fertility coach. Nita and I have very similar perspectives, approaches, and goals. We've been on parallel paths, recognizing it for the first time in this conversation, which was recorded in 2017. Towards the end of the podcast, you'll hear how Nita warms food without a microwave, how important it is to her to avoid nonstick pots and pans, and how she feeds her family. Nita mentions some product names. She's just sharing what worked well for her at that time. Nothing said in this podcast is an endorsement for any products, and nothing in this podcast should be interpreted as medical advice. I hope Nita's story inspires healthy changes that you should discuss with your trusted healthcare providers first. You can follow Nita on Instagram at path.to.fertility and learn more about Nita's offerings on her website at www.nurturewithnita.com. These details are also in the podcast show notes. In addition, keep in mind that if you become inspired to detox your life and would like support, my website at www.nontoxicliving.tips offers various kinds of resources. In addition to this podcast, I have books and online programs to help you detox your home, diet, self-care, and technology from toxic chemicals, heavy metals, and electromagnetic fields from our technologies. The best way to stay updated is to register for my newsletter. Join by texting DETOX, spelled D-E-T-O-X, 
to 66866. I'd also like to thank my podcast producer, Chris Robertson, for elevating this podcast production. And if you enjoy this podcast and would like to subscribe, rate, and review it, then I'd really appreciate it. If you send me a screenshot, I'll send you an appreciation gift. Now, on with the show. Well, I myself struggle with infertility. I hate that word, infertility. So I usually just use, I had fertility struggle or I had fertility challenge many years ago. So that's how I end up here trying to help these women who struggle. Thinking back when I was little growing up, I got sick a lot. So I'm originally from Indonesia. There's viral infections, but I just remember being sick of being sick, mm. just like one sickness after another. And when I got sick, it's for a long time. Just so I'll be missing school, missing you know all the playtime, and I completely, completely sick on the bed and high fever. Couldn't have any taste in my, my mouth, you know, like lost appetite. And I can miss school for about 10 days to 14 days. Anita, that, this was starting from what age? I would say around eight, nine years old, 10 years old, elementary school age. Okay. When I got to middle school, I was better. I was healthier. But Did you get more sick than your classmates? Yes, definitely. Even more than my my sisters. I don't know why. You know, I really don't know why. But that memory, that part of childhood (laughs) memory, it just stick in my mind. So when I came to the U.S., so I came from Japan because from Indonesia, I went to Japan to get my master's degree in chemistry. And then from Japan, I came here because I met my husband-to-be at that time. And I was not used to the poor season and it was in Colorado so when the temperature difference between night and days could be huge so I could leave the apartment completely sunny and warm and then stay out all day and then did not realize that when the sun went down and it got so cold that you know it could be 40 degree difference when I got sick I got bronchitis. Every time I got sick, it just really reminded me of my childhood illness. So that really, that point in Colorado, I just woke up. I just like, I had to do something. I have to be healthy. I don't want to keep getting sick. How old were you around this time? That was probably around 20, 29, mm-hmm. 29, 30. And yeah. did you live a pretty healthy life? Not yet. So from that time on, I slowly kind of like learned about natural living and how to live healthy. And you know what? I was interested more into the toxic free living first, other than the healthy eating. So mm-hmm. I was just more like, hmm, all right. So there's paraben. There's, you know, all of these ingredients in a personal care product. And so I don't know why I got sucked into that. So I was... Well, I was going to say that seems really unusual because most people were not that aware of toxic chemicals and things like your lotions and everyday products and that you focused on that first is so interesting. I thought so too, but you know (laughs) what? I think it's because of me being a chemist, yeah. I think like more into maybe like interested what's in it. You know, so I was always interested what's in it. And it's just like, what, what is, you know, like, really, this is supposed to be in, in our, our body. And 
it did not happen, you know, like over the years. It's definitely happened over years, just getting more and more awareness. And then also after that, slowly into the healthier living, because I started to switch to eating more organic and more vegetables. And now I just can't imagine living without <laughs> you know, like with that, that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. In fact, we just moved here from Ohio to Richmond, and the house that we purchased is actually an older home. It's about 30, 30 years old or so, but the previous owner has renovated. So fresh paint, brand new carpet. So when I first walk in, I really smell the the paint and and then I said, like, okay, I know this is fresh pain. Well, mm-hmm. I don't like it. But you know what? The one that you can't smell is the one is actually more toxic. You know, the brand new carpet is off gassing. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and I went downstairs to the basement. It's all carpet. Like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you can't smell, but I just feel something, you know. So, and we've been living here for a little over a week now, but. 10 days, I've been opening windows in the morning, just like get the fresh air in and get the toxic air out because this, we we don't realize this brand new, everything is just off gassing, you know, the furniture, the carpet, and I can't smell the the pain anymore, but my eyes sometimes just kind of like get watery, just like, I just feel it when I don't, you know, don't feel that fresh air. Yeah. So there are a couple of things I want to go back to that you just mentioned, and I guess I'll just start most recently with your home. So you said that in your new home, even though you can smell the new things like a new carpet or new paint, it's the fumes you can't smell that are more toxic. It sounds like you had physical reactions to these fumes that like you maybe can't smell, but you could sense a bodily reaction. Is that right? Yeah, I'm more like, I sense it kind of like right away. Yeah, just like, mm, like, like I'm not breathing fresh air here. I'm not breathing healthy air here. So I'm just like, oh yeah, brand new carpet. You know, so I just like start looking around, you know, like this, you know, empty house, like within these buildings. And then I had somebody else, an interior designer that helped me with the window treatment. And she said also like, it's brand new carpet. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you know too about that. Yeah, I can feel it. It's mm-hmm. amazing if you're aware of it. But if you're not aware of it, because I'm aware of it, I just like it. It's not like I'm looking for it. It's just like, hmm, it's just something is just not right. You go out in nature and breathe fresh air as mm-hmm. opposed to just like in a building and the air just filled with yeah. something. I wonder if women who've been pregnant and have gone through that experience of pregnancy and then having an infant, if you become forever more sensitive. I know when I was pregnant, there was a certain major department store across the street from where I live that sells a lot of very cheap things that I could not stay in the store when I was pregnant. I literally was gonna throw up if I stayed mm-hmm. in the store when pregnant. Over the years, I now have three girls, so I spent a few pregnancies popping into the store just for bare necessities. But as I learned more about toxic exposures from everyday products, I thought, wow, my body is so smart. It Mm -hmm. senses that I'm inhaling fumes that are not good for the baby, and it's going to make me throw up if I don't get out of here. And now 
now that I'm not pregnant, I don't get sick when I'm in that store. I don't really have a reaction. I don't even know that I even smell what I used to smell. Isn't it amazing? Our body amazing. is really, I mean, it's, it is amazing. It's, it's just brilliant. like, you know, that innate wisdom. And it's just like, hey, you have a, you have a baby inside you. You don't want to have that you know, whatever in that fume, just pass on to, to your baby, just get out. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we, if we are sensitive, if we have that awareness and willing to listen to it, you know, some people might have awareness and just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, they don't know that it's their body actually telling, communicating something important. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I think is so valuable to talk more about so that listeners, when they notice something different in their body, they can just wonder, oh, I wonder if my body's trying to tell me something rather than look for some kind of medication to make the symptoms go away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I agree with you in any regards with my kids too, when they get headache. So instead of just giving them Tylenol, I'm not just so quick to jump on. I don't even have a medicine cabinet, but my kids know that I'm just not too quick in giving them Tylenol or any pain reliever medication, I would just like, are you hydrated enough? Did you rest? What about if you just lay down and drink water and see if the headache goes away? The body is trying to tell you there's something that imbalance. So the headache is, again, a sign. And if the headache doesn't go away, I have an essential oil for kids of formulated for different illness per se, like, okay, for headaches, and then just rub it on certain points and let them take a rest and they just forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's rare that the headache is just too unbearable that they have to mm-hmm. take medication. Which essential oils do you like for headaches? Oh, you know what? There's a brand called Plan Therapy. Yes. I like to, to buy. So they have Plan Therapy formulates certain essential oil blends for sleeping to help them with headache to help them with cold so i don't remember on top of my head what's in each of the formulation Mm -hmm. but i really trust the plant therapy brand because it's formulated by someone that really knows the safety of essential oil Yeah. I want to go back to when you talked about when you first decided around 29 to become healthier and you started with trying to live a more toxin-free life. Did you notice an improvement in how you felt from changing just the toxins in, in your environment? Yeah, I did not get sick that often anymore. Oh, so just focusing on that change helped your immune system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely. Definitely. Did you notice anything else? No, not so much. And then until later on, when we tried to get pregnant, this actually surprised me we, that we could not get pregnant. So we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility. And I was 36 or so. We tried on and on continuously for about four years and try IVF. And, you know, for me, it's the stress. I work in corporate world, high stress and overseeing the work of many people until I basically decide I need to take care more from a different angle, reduce my stress. And then I got into yoga. Mm -hmm. And then nine months later, I got pregnant naturally. That's wonderful. 
Yeah, I did try IVF. My OBGYN basically said like, well, you you have unexplained infertility. You know, everything's okay with you and your husband, but I don't know why you can't get pregnant. So I was just confused, you know, like why I'm okay. I've been living healthy and I can't get pregnant and I couldn't connect the dot between stress level and the fertility struggle. But not knowing what else to do, I just, like everybody else that the doctor suggests to have IVF without thinking, I did. But then my mind and my body were disconnected. I did not, you know, or more mm-hmm. like connected. Like I did not want to get this done. Of course, my body more like, yo, okay, you're not going to get done. You're not going to get pregnant. And mm-hmm. I did not get pregnant. So it failed. And then, okay, so what's next? So, and this... One yoga studio that I pass by every day, going back from work to home, like, oh my gosh, that place is inviting. Every time I pass that, just like something telling me that I need to try. So I did, and I was skeptical at the beginning, and but I kept trying, kept praying, and I just, it got to the point, I just was so into it. I enjoyed it. I forgot about my fertility problem, and it's time to try again. And then in my mind, I still think that, I only can get pregnant through IVF. So I contacted my OBGYN again. We got everything ready, set up, scheduled. But I had a really profound voice inside me when I was doing meditation one morning. And I said that, no, don't have the IVF. Just try it naturally. That was a Monday. And on Wednesday, my husband and I are supposed to go in, just have the whatever the first procedure done. And all right, so what should I do? And I called my yoga teacher and my yoga teacher said, I think you know, I think you know what that means. And I called my OBGY and I said, no, I'm not, I thought we're ready, but we're not. So we would like to postpone. So I, I talked to my husband to try it ourselves and see what happens. So of course my husband kind of like look at me like I'm, I have two heads and just like, what are you thinking? You know, like all these years we've been trying and we had one failed life. I don't know, something inside me just telling me to just try it naturally. And two weeks later, really, I got pregnant. That's wonderful. That's great. So that was nine months after you started yoga? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And I, you know, if I wanted to, I probably could have made it happen earlier. But no, I was just enjoying yoga. And how often were you doing yoga towards the time you got pregnant? I think I did probably about three, four times a week. Okay. And then you did meditation in addition to that or was just the asana practice? Okay. Yes. Yes. So I think the practice of yoga reduce my stress level and also heighten my intuitions, my ability to listen to that deep voice inside me. Otherwise, I would have ignored that voice telling me to not try IVF. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then how many children do you have now? We have two, one biological and one adopted. Wonderful. Yeah, we decided to adopt because my husband was adopted. So we always thought about a child because my husband now also heavily involved in an organization called The Gift of Adoption. Mm. So just kind of like help couples with their financial need to be able to afford adoptions. It's interesting. It was an interesting process and my son 
are open to talk about it. We make it open to talk about it because my husband's adopted. So he's like, daddy is cool. You know, mm, that's we're great. both adoptive. Yeah. So <laughs> that's wonderful. When did you start working with others who were struggling with fertility? About four years ago. Four, yes, about four years ago. And before that, I was just helping women basically with whatever problem because I'm a health coach. But then I was driving down the road, listening to a Hay House radio in the car and Dr. Christian Notrup mm-hmm. was interviewing a lady from Spain, Claudia Spar. I forgot the name of the book that she has written at that time, but she was talking about conceiving naturally all her children, her three children at her 40s. Wow. Yeah, so the topic about fertility, you know, came came up. She's, she's a fertility coach too through yoga. She's a yoga teacher. She has this wonderful, I think, yoga retreat in Spain that a lot of women just go there and, you know, try to mm-hmm. relax. And But yeah, I was listening to that and just, boom, the light bulb came on. Just mm-hmm. like, Oh, yes, fertility. So, yeah, so since then, it's kind of like law of attractions. And then just like one by one, just people just show up just like, oh, wow, cool. (laughs) How do you get started with your clients? Yeah, so when they decided to get on my program, it's a four-month program. So we meet eight sessions. It's pretty much my mind, body, and soul approach to this holistically. And I will coach them how to just improve kind of like step by step just guide them like okay what's better for you and your husband to eat so that biologically from biochemistry point of view that you will be healthier to conceive and then your genes also will express more like that like turn on the health other than the illness and that will be better for the baby too so the way they eat is more of the vegetables, more of the nutrients, basically increased nutrients. And when you bring all these nutrient-dense food, your bodies also know kind of like naturally, you know, reduce all the other food that your body don't want. So other than, you know, take away first and then you add, most people kind of like resistant to it. So it's more like, let's add first because when your body satisfies, Given the nutrients that it needs, the body doesn't want to eat all this junky food. Mm-hmm. And then look into the toxic load as well. In the kitchen, in the personal care products, in the cleaning supplies. So step by step in the way that is doable for them and not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And also the stress level. Mm-hmm. Then also, because I learned from myself how stress can definitely impact fertility. So if they came to me with a history of multiple miscarriages or already multiple assisted reproductive technology like IUI, IVFs, and keep experiencing failure, then I have them do some testing. Mm-hmm. genetic tests you know, like you know my approach is functional medicine so because I do I do really want to see what physiologically is not functioning and go from there see if there are deficient in certain minerals or if they have autoimmune disease and then come up with the protocol accordingly mm-hmm. 
in a way, my approach is to transform them physically, mentally, and spiritually. So by the end of the program, they're ready. They have the right mindset. If things don't happen, we can only try, but the universe sometimes have a different plan. Two questions. One, do you find that this approach has helped many of your clients? And two, do you find that it generally happens when people are so relaxed that they kind of have surrendered to this trust that it'll work out the way it should? Yeah, yeah. So it could happen because, yes, because they're just like, they're relaxed, they're surrendered. And I have a client that prior to came to me, she did two IUI and it failed. So she completed the program and still couldn't get pregnant naturally for some reason. So she went through the IVF approach, but feel good about that. So that's what I want people to mm -hmm. kind of like, whatever decision that you make, feel good about it. Just come from the heart and not from the head. Mm -hmm. And she said like, yeah, I feel good about it. And it's successful, just like one cycle and she did, she got pregnant right away. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, prior to that, she had the two IUI and both of them failed. And she said like, no, I feel good about that. This is how is it meant to be. And I learned so much through you just from the lifestyle because then I can apply it to, mm -hmm. to my kid, to my baby. That's important. That's the mission of my work is just to protect all these children. I know. You know, it's, you know, to me, the finish line is not just having the baby. Mm -hmm. The finish line is having a baby that is healthy during his life or her lifetime. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that some more because I don't know how many people really think about a healthy pregnancy as being not just delivering a baby with 10 fingers and 10 toes and no obvious you know, health issues, but what you're talking about is the foundation of their biological system that will affect their well-being for the rest of their life into adulthood. Right? Correct. Like the development mm -hmm. of the brain and the heart and the reproductive system and the immune system. Right. So, well, first of all, I'm wondering, what did you do before you started coaching others on fertility? Because you mentioned you had studied chemistry and you had a corporate job when you were first trying to get pregnant. Were you in the sciences? Yeah, I am a scientist. So I'm a, I'm a chemist. I have a master's degree in, in chemistry. So I was working for a pharmaceutical company. Oh, wow. So one of the company that I work for make drug for ADHD, so ADD, and the company focused on neurological problem. I knew from A to Z how to process, you know, like this drug from bench scale, so from the research to getting out of the door for people to <laughs> to take, to consume, to market mm -hmm. for this company to market. So, but, you know, I completely going the opposite <laughs> direction yeah. now, 180 degree. But yeah, that was my role. And I was always interested in chemistry when I was in high school and I was interested in medicinal plan actually mm. and that's that's how I got into chemistry because when I got sick back to when you know my childhood when I got sick a lot my grandma often make me kind of like decoction like drink from plants you know mm. like Nita you got to drink this so you so you feel better so I ended like oh it's bitter and that kind of like 
sparked the interest mm-hmm. in me to know what's in it, what's the medicinal property in those plants. So mm-hmm. that's actually my master's degree in, in Japan so is natural product chemistry. So I was doing research on different type of plant and figure out what the medicinal properties in that. My first job in the U.S. when we live in Colorado was isolating Taxol. Taxol is anti-cancer drug from U-Bark. So my role at that time was trying to purify this wonder drug. And then it basically, the non-formulated, it's a raw drug. It's still white powder, but then from the U-Bark, you know, like bark, with got brown, gooey, ugly looking solutions and how to purify it into white powder. And my role was just not this Taxol. It's still the number one anti-cancer drug right now, but it's not for normal cancer. It's for advanced stage cancer. Mm-hmm. I was trained when I was in Japan to figure out the structures of all these different chemicals. So my role with that company is to figure out the structures of the impurities in this bark so it was you know rewarding because nobody else in the company knows how to do it and slowly my role changed as I switched job to a a different pharmaceutical company so it's just more into formulations and then got fertility problem and it's basically just you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) the rest is history exactly I mean how fascinating that We get to hear from your perspective as a chemist and one so interested in the medicinal properties of plants. And now you're focused on helping women overcome fertility challenges with the focus of changing their biochemistry through revamping mind, body, and soul. That is very, very cool. Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I don't get to talk to many chemists. About toxic, about, I mean, I don't meet many chemists, but I'm so excited because when I was researching my book on A to Z of detoxing, which is about the toxic exposures from household products, I felt like everything was a lot of chemistry and just becoming really curious about what makes up our household products and how these chemicals don't stay in the products, they end up in our bodies and how they can interact both a single chemical, but also the cocktail effects from a mixture of chemicals. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. They think, oh, it's just a little bit of bad stuff in the perfume or a little bit of bad stuff in the paint or from the carpet. It can't be that big of a deal. But when you stop to think about getting exposed to most everything in your home, if not everything in your home, the cocktail effects from the probably hundreds of chemicals inside Mm -hmm. our home, we just don't know the effect it has. And but we know that vulnerabilities are unique, right? It's different for an unborn child. It's different for an infant. It's different from a woman than from a man. Right, right, right. You know, it's also depends on their genetic predisposition. You know, one some of them will able to detox better than others and some definitely don't. So I was in a conference about detox and listening to the presentation of a, this presenter. So he was showing the graph of chemical industry 
that from the year of 1940 through 2015, at least how the increase and then below that on the same chart show the trend of autism between I think 1980, 19, yeah, 1980 and 2015, because it just, it follows, mm-hmm. you know, the increase, it follows. It's just like, wow, I mean, autistic is also multifactorial, but back again to the parents at preconception, because, you know, you probably heard this study by environmental working group, I think back in 2005 or so, when AWG and Red Cross done the study how newborn have an average of about 287 or something like that, almost Two, 300. Yeah, 287, yep. Synthetic chemicals. Mm-hmm. In their cord blood, yeah. Yeah, so that comes from the mom and the dad. Mm-hmm. So they're born with all this many chemicals already. So now combining that with weak digestive system and then right when they're about what 18 months 24 months when they have that vaccination and I don't really want to talk much about get all vaccination but it's just so so much for this little body to accept vaccination all at once do you know when the blood-brain barrier is fully formed I read varying estimates I think anywhere from six months to much higher. At the, yes, much higher. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the blood-brain barrier, which protects the brain from compounds, is not as developed in young children. Right, right, right. And then nature already designs, you know, for women to give birth naturally. So this baby will get exposure to the natural bacteria through the birth canal. But then nowadays, birth is also a medical event. Mm-hmm. And this baby born through C-section, so they don't get the benefit from this exposure of bacteria that's supposed to be inoculated so mm-hmm. for them to really strengthen their immune system. So again, those with C-sections really need to think about that, that the baby's gut microbiome is probably not as healthy mm-hmm. as compared to the babies that born mm-hmm. naturally through, through the birth canal. Mm-hmm. That's their first natural defense. They get that bacteria you know, through the mouth and nose, they suck it in, and so that it's inoculated in their system, in the gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to talk to you more about resiliency. For example, a child who came into the world via C-section and wasn't able to enjoy all the wonderful bacteria from its mother and therefore has a microbiome that is less rich and diverse than it would have been if it had been delivered naturally. Is that person able to improve its microbiome by diet and other ways? Yes, if the parents are aware of it, yes, from the time that they can start eating solid food, don't give them sugary food, have them get used to the sour, so like the fermented vegetables, so there's natural bacterial in it. So I always 
suggest to my clients when they have baby just don't introduce them to any like you know sugary food just avoid sweet and get them to taste sour first and they, they like the fermented food and also you know not too quick in, in giving them antibiotic so yeah if the parents are aware mm-hmm. of how immune system is actually in the gut and how it depends on the gut health and how to have diverse bacteria in it So yes, I think take probiotic in the form of fermented food, fermented drink, and not to quicken giving the kids antibiotic. I mean, I know sugar is not good for us, but is there a relationship between sugar and the microbiome? I guess I'm wondering, why did you note sugar as you said parents should avoid sugar or delay? Or more like sugar. a sweet, more like, you know, because it tastes good for one reason, yeah. you know, like, oh, it's sweet. So if you delay it or, you know, other than naturally in the form of fruit, not just a sweet taste of any ice cream or anything. When they already get used to the sweet taste, they want the sweet taste. Mm-hmm. Have them get used to other, none, other taste, other taste, but yeah. the bitter, the, like no sugar, you know, like yeah. give avocado without, without anything, just cut it up like that. And when you start introducing sugar mm-hmm. and they want it some more, yeah, it's not just, you know, between sugar and gut microbiome, it's just more like it will be less desirable for them to eat, you know, sour food, such as fermented food. Mm-hmm. But if they're not introduced too early or try to avoid it all, because it is not good. <laughs> it's empty calories. Yeah. There's just no, no nutrients in it. Fruit has nutrients. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if it's in the form of fruits, that's okay. Because okay. you, yeah, it's, look into the nutrient content. I'm talking about processed sugar. Yes. Food with added sugar in it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I read that some toxic chemicals, because they're fat soluble, will be stored in our body fat. And, yes. and so it can be released when breastfeeding. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And then what? You pass it on to the, the baby, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So it's so helpful for women to detox before they conceive. Exactly. So that's what I recommend my clients. So when introduce them all this healthy eating, healthy lifestyle. So like, let's ideally detox your body three months before you conceive. And when you detox at preconceptions, you have the time, you have the luxurious to go to uh, sauna. When you're pregnant, you, you can't detox because it's just going to get passed on to your baby. So when pregnancy itself, it's a detoxification. You pass it mm-hmm. on to your, your baby. Secondly, like you already said, breastfeeding, you pass it on to the baby. So the least toxic load that you can pass on to your baby, the better. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're doing detox, both husband and wife. We so focus on your pregnancy or conception, they're just women. And then I just recently, but a couple of weeks ago, read in... I think one of the guy bbc.com how sperm counts among men yeah. in here in North America in Europe I think Australia and New Zealand as well it's health now and it's less than 40 years it's just because become health so there's a decrease of about 50% in sperm concentration and mm-hmm. it's also a, a decrease in total sperm count in men mm-hmm. Did this study have theories as to what caused or contributed to this decrease in sperm count? 
Yeah, in this particular study, it was not mentioned about the apparent cause of it, but it's been linked to exposure to chemical use in pesticides and plastics. For writing your book, you've done a lot of research how exposure to pesticides really damage the, the sperm, affect the sperm quality. So there's a publication about that. So mm-hmm. how pesticides definitely affect male fertility. And then plastics also, you know, the BPA and phthalates and parabens. Mm -hmm. Have you read studies on how cell phone radiation may affect sperm quality? I'm interested in it. I haven't really... um, I think the science is very new. I don't know that there's... I haven't looked into it recently. Yeah, I haven't looked into it myself either. I only just heard for men, do not put the cell phone in the pocket because Mm -hmm. it can affect the sperm quality. I think, you know, people underestimate the effect of this Wi-Fi EMF mm-hmm. on our health. Yeah, I think so too. It's going to be like smoking was, you know, for a long time. Everyone smoked, including pregnant women and doctors, and everyone thought it was fine. And it just took decades, if not like a yeah. century, for the public to acknowledge that it is a public health threat. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I look at my, my, my children too now, you know, because they play video game and they play with their friends. I try to limit, but it's when they get to certain age and yeah. it's, 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 it's <laughs> I have to admit it is hard, but yes, when there's bedtime, I'll, you know, everything turn off and everything has to be in one place. I don't let my kids to go to bed with their cell phone or watching TV, there's no TV in their in their bedroom. Everything has to be turned off and stored in one place in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So for for people listening who maybe are getting depressed because they've already had their children and they're yeah. thinking, oh no, I didn't detox before I conceived. I've damaged my kids. Do you oh. do you have words of encouragement on resiliency? You know what? It's never too late to try anything because the study of epigenetic, mm-hmm. we have the control of turn the health promoting gene on and turn the disease promoting genes off. And how do you take control of, of that is by limiting the exposure to this environmental toxin, just limitless. We inhale, we ingest, we put on our skin. Just imagine the body as a container with a big opener on the top. And then you have this spigot on the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's our liver. This just a small opening here. A liver only can process so much. So doesn't matter when you start, when you have the awareness, Just start now and you want to limit the toxin coming in into that big container. Like that's our body, you know, Mm -hmm. so like a barrel with all the different toxic coming in. But then it's only little amount that can be processed and eliminate going out. Mm -hmm. So the less exposure to this environmental toxin, the better. And, you know, go to environmental working group that. Org. There's so much information there that you can find from finding toxic-free sunscreen, even like the dirty 
doesn't, you know, like the pesticide in in your produce. And I use this on my phone, the app, the EWG, what's the name of it? Healthy Living. Mm -hmm. So when I go to the store and try to find personal care product for my kids, you know, like lotions, for example, or any anything. I just scan it and I know not all of them in their database. So sometimes mm-hmm. you're just like, oh no, you don't know, but you'll be able to find something that is in their database. And there's so much, so much information in that website. I use that website. Without that, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be lost, you know. Yeah. I've used it to research everything. We buy all the household staples. Here in the United States, we have about over 80,000 product created and there's no safety study. I think only a handful has been Mm -hmm. studied for for safety. And every year there are a thousand more that being produced. And, you know, there's new product here, there's new product there. It's just like, oh yeah, cool. But then hey, what is it really in there? How is that made? Like the Teflon. I mean, in this moving process, we have to stay in the temporary apartment before moving to the the house. So Mm -hmm. I had to buy cast iron, just Mm -hmm. like one cast iron, cook everything Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, so simple things like that. So do you use a microwave? I wish I I, I didn't have a microwave. (laughs) Yes, but that's one thing that I, I really use. It, it is in the house because it, it came with the house. But I, you know, in the heartbeat, I would love to get rid of it. But my husband doesn't want to get rid of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I have the same issue in my home. For resale purposes, so people always look for microwave anyway. So, yeah. But I try to just reheat my food on the, on the stove and avoid microwave. Mm-hmm. Susan, how do you warm up food on the stove? I have these three tiers to like steamer. Uh-huh. So I, I just put on the plate the food yeah. and just like put in the steamer. The microwave is just for, for convenience. Yeah. You know, everything is for convenience. Yeah. And there's a thing, you know, like all things that convenient, all the frozen food, you get to think what's in it. Yeah. You know? So, and how does it do to, to the food then you, when you microwave it? Whenever I really can have the time to heat it up conventionally you're using the steamer I prefer I prefer that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. is there anything else you're working on that would be great to share with our listeners I have a program called 21 day jumpstart program I used to offer it in the spring and I offer it in the fall if you would like to Get on my list. Go to nurturewithnita.com. I sometimes give discount and there's a do-it-yourself version of it. Usually I offer it as a group, but I'm not doing it this fall. But if you just you know, want to sign up and then see what's coming up or you just want to do it yourself and then 21-day program, pretty much just for you to get a jump on healthy living. So you have, it's basically elimination diet. So Mm -hmm. you eliminate inflammatory food. So it's all yummy recipes and I have four seasons, you know, like the winter, spring, summer and fall recipes. And then also guide on how do you, how you can detox your kitchen, your personal, you know, like in the bathroom, personal care product and cleaning product and all of that stuff. Just how basically, you know, how do you be better in 
living toxic free mm-hmm. also come with the meditation 21 day meditation so to become in tune with yourself be able to listen to that wisdom within yourself and finding that quiet moment and by the end of the 21 day you'll be a different you who <laughs> you empowered you it's so funny we're working towards the same things in parallel universes <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the law of attraction that, you know, we attract people that is like-minded and have the same purpose and work in harmony that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm working on launching a program that's a 21-day digital detox. So it's focused on detoxing your EMFs. It's not academic. It's, It's just focused on what you can do. Yeah. 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 So I'll let you know when that is ready to share. Yeah, please do. Please do. Digital detoxes have been more popular as like a destination, you know, like a digital detox vacation. Mm. But people don't realize that they can detox their homes and their daily lives so much of EMFs and their productivity and joy won't really be impacted. If anything, they'll probably enjoy more presence and more mindfulness and peace and And so this program is really about all these little things in your daily life that you probably wouldn't mind changing and would reduce your EMS, which could really help your sleep and many other things. But with children, I'm lucky that I learned about this, this general topic when my children are really young. It's hard to retrain children when they're teenagers or older, but with my children, whenever they're on a phone or an iPad, I always ask, is it on airplane mode? Yeah. Just so they get in the habit of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you would like to talk about? No, I think we pretty much capture everything. Just, you know, again, want to emphasize, don't underestimate the impact of this exposure to environmental toxins to your health. Fertility is just an extension of our health. So again, EWG has tons of information and even just start like now in the summer, like what sunscreen? Like you'll be surprised the sunscreen that you, you use right now. We find out like, oh my gosh, I've yeah. been putting all of this. So something like that, you, you don't make radical changes because that usually doesn't last. So make baby step changes Yeah, that can last a long time. Yeah. Yeah. We're very much on the same page, and I'm so happy to hear you express those views. I feel like toxic exposures is as important as diet and exercise, but most people just aren't familiar with it. Right, right, exactly. You know, I I turned 54 last week. Friday was my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. And I'm lucky that I, you know, I never had any problem with hot flash and insomnia. So like a lot of women in my age experiencing, you know, when they're middle age, like, but again, when I look back into this, the study of epigenetic, you know, like how, what you do, how to live your life, affect your genes. And now like, yeah, I am experiencing it right now. I, I get the fruit of what, I'm, what I've been doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, like I'm expressing my healthy genes, not my mm-hmm. illness genes. Yeah, not, not the disease-promoting genes. Because, you know, if I look at my genes, there's like diabetic. 
I had gestational diabetic when I was pregnant and mm-hmm. I was told like you're going to be 70% diabetic. No, I am not going to be I'm not going to be diabetic, you know, mm-hmm. cuz I'm going to control that. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm blessed. I'm really you feel grateful of my health and just like I said, experiencing the fruit of the hard work that I've been doing. You know, it's not really hard work. Once you know it, once you have that awareness and then you you know the long time impact of your health, I just don't see how I do it the other way. You know? yeah. yeah. I'm the same way, but and in addition, what helps motivate me, encourages me to stay on this path is how I feel. I just feel so much better. Exactly. Living a cleaner life. Exactly. I'd love to wrap up with asking you a little bit about your favorite things to eat, like your favorite breakfast, lunch or dinner or foods that your children will eat (laughs) that make you happy too. Oh, that my children. Okay. Well, my two children, one's the picky eater, one the healthy eater. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, I prepare green smoothie. What do you put in it? Usually I have bananas and blueberries Mm -hmm. and little mangoes and the greens. I blanch to light steam all the greens because it's easier on the digestive system. Mm. So I usually have a mix of either spinach with kale, the purple kale, mm. or kale and Swiss chard. So I just lightly blanch so it's not just completely raw. And I freeze it. Mm. I freeze all my vegetables. So And then I have for smoothie, I add like protein powder to for my children they have their own protein powder for for children and then my husband and i you know have what, different protein what kind powder. of protein oh gosh it has pretty much about everything kind of mm. like from like sprouted grains sprouted everything like i don't know how many ingredients in this one and purium mm. that's what i personally use at my age, my energy level is still high. I just had a checkup, a dental checkup the other day and I had to fill out the form and they asked me like, are you 54? Yep. And you have no medication? Nope. Mm. <laughs> and that's been my goal and, you know, my mm. energy level is good. So that's for breakfast. But, you know, sometimes if I'm in a rush, my breakfast could be leftovers. I love leftovers, roasted vegetables. I like to roast either Brussels sprout or cauliflower or beets, any roasted vegetables with egg, just like over easy mm-hmm. egg in it. So, mm-hmm. and a little bit leftover roasted potatoes. Mm-hmm. That's breakfast for me. So that, and I could stay full for yeah. until, until lunch. So lunch, I usually eat salad with whatever leftover proteins, mm-hmm. animal protein. Like today I had a little piece of salmon to go with my salad. Mm-hmm. So dinner, yeah, I don't know, usually just roasted vegetables with, you know, I always have salad, you know, and just let the kids choose. If they don't eat their roasted vegetables, they eat salad with some animal protein. So, mm-hmm. Okay, great. So your kids are pretty good eaters. The well, one is picky. Yeah, the one's picky, but then, you know, like for him, if he wants dessert, he has to eat the vegetables that it was mm-hmm. no dessert. The little one, my nine-year-old, he can't wait until I'm even done mm-hmm. roasting kale. He love, love, love kale chips. Yeah. And he like really like literally come out of the oven, 
He mm. just like, my gosh, the whole ball, he can just finish that. I mean, that whole stock, he can yeah. finish everything. My kids and, love kale chips, especially uh, homemade. Yes, it's so good, it's isn't so it? So good, so good. It's so good. It just, you know, you can hear that, you know, it's just like the crispiness, you know, come out yeah. of the oven and just like, and they're fit. And then his face is just like covered with kale. But yeah, he eats even arugula, like, you know, like arugula salad, the more arugula salad in it, the more he eats. So he likes the bitterness better. Mm-hmm. That's funny. But yeah, I, so I try to basically have like balance in, in everything. And definitely if they want to consume their dessert and sugar, they have to eat their their salad first or their veggies. 